I wonder if I could, uh, I'm, I'm writing a piece right now for publication called uh, The Primacy of Israel in Our Lives. There was an opinion piece uh, in The Guardian, and I'm sorry for mentioning that to you, but I do read The Guardian, uh, by one of their... I know you're laughing. Okay, fine. No, I'm, I have I'm, to read I'm the thinking, enemies. I'm of, thinking. Oh. I'm thinking. As you said that, I was thinking of the Mishnah in Masechet Avot, which states, "Da malah hashiv," know how to respond to the epikoros, to the apostate, to the, uh, to the denier. In in order to know, you have to know what they say, what they think. Correct. Um, there was an opinion piece last week, a very well written opinion piece by one of their. Um, writers by the name of Jonathan Friedland. Um, and the opening quote is very interesting, especially coming from The Guardian. He said, those who attack Jews in the UK are not striking a blow for Palestine. They are behaving as anti-Semites always have, end quote. Now, I checked quickly to see if that was The Guardian. And yes, it, it was the Guardian, and he wrote that. So I'm starting off by saying that, in my opinion, this well-written piece makes one major mistake, namely that Israeli leaders must take Galut Jews into account when making national security decisions. From my perspective, Israel's fate, not that of our foreign communities, should be of paramount concern to our leaders because Galut will always be a fundamentally unsafe environment for Jews, regardless of what actions are taken by Israel to safeguard our existence. In other words, it's time that Galut Jews finally wake up to the fact that they are living in societies that hate them and that will never accept them as equal citizens. Indeed, I've tried repeatedly to point out to Galut Jews that it's not just the eruption of long dormant anti-Semitic sentiments that should scare them into making Aliyah, but rather the passivity and even encouragement of their respective governments to this age-old hate that should spur them into coming home as soon as possible. So that's, that's my opening blast. I've actually talked about such issues to, I talked about such issues, granted, in my own defense, when I got out of prison, I was in New York, and they there were a lot of people that were angry with me in the Jewish establishment for having put Israel's security and Israel's interests ahead of the security and the interests of the Jewish American or American Jewish community. They said that I had, and people of my ilk, as they said, had endangered the di uh, diaspora communities because of the issue of dual loyalty. And I said point blank to them that yes, we have a notion of Dina de Malchuta Dina, that the, the laws of the land where you live are the laws, but that there are certain circumstances that force Jews in Galut 
to put the interests of Israel and our people in Israel ahead of their own communities, regardless as to the cost. And this was something, at least from the elite standpoint, from the ostensible leaders of the Jewish American Jewish community, was anathema, absolutely anathema that the United States in particular was the golden of Medina, that it was uh, as equally important as Israel was, and that we had an obligation to recognize the fact that we had a second homeland. And that was something that if somebody makes a statement like that, I have no response. I have no response. We have one homeland. It's called Eretz Yisrael, Eretz HaKodesh. We don't have multiple homelands. You know, it's not Monsi or Lakewood, um, you know, Ir HaKodesh, Lehavdil, Lehavdalot. You know, I, I don't believe that. This has unfortunately well, always been one of our reprehensible weaknesses of the Jewish people, or many, many of the Jewish people. Going back... Uh, literally uh, two and a half thousand years. Uh, as Rabbi Yudha Lewi in his book, The Kuzari, writes, mm -hmm. the, the reason that, uh, that most of the Jews, when they were given official permission by the Persian emperor, uh, Cyrus, Koresh, to return to their homeland, didn't. the vast majority did not. Something like 3% did. That's that's it. Ninety-seven percent stayed put. With Ezra and Nehemiah, they that was about sixty years. Ezra was about sixty years later, and right. shortly after that, that's that's also an interesting discussion. The historical uh, timeline and all the rest of it, but but um, people, for instance, uh, we'll talk about this perhaps more another time, closer to Purim. That is, is now exactly 2,500 years from the events of Purim. And the, the uh, huge Jewish population that was uh, exiled to, uh, to Bavel, to Babylon, and the surrounding uh, countries and Persia, the vast majority chose not to return when they were given that opportunity. And why? Why was this? Because they were comfortable. They were. Mm -hmm. they, they felt that where we are is is okay. We're not missing anything. What 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 are we lacking? It was like a, a certain uh, educator that I know uh, told me that when he, on a number of occasions, was in the United States and uh, he spoke to the Jews there and he was giving a lecture and he always he he always likes to uh, tell them off for the fact that they're living in the United <laughs> States, which of course doesn't make him very popular. No, <laughs> and um, and he asked them, "Why don't you come and come home?" And they say, "You know, what are we, what are we missing here? We have we have our synagogue and Jewish schools and Jewish stores and kosher food and you know you name it, we've we've got it. Everything everything's fine. We're not missing missing anything." Well, that's that's a very lame and poor argument, but mm. for most people, it works until the situation takes a turn for the worse, <laughs> and, right. until things begin to unravel. And then Jews, often too late, ask themselves the question, why didn't we mm. make a move when we could have, when things were easier, 
even if it only comes to the difference is only between selling your house uh, for, for its true value, its real worth uh, on the market, or having to sell for a fraction of its of, of its true price uh, because of, of a given political uh, and social situation, as happened to many Jews in Germany, for example. Mm -hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, this is nothing new, but uh, that doesn't that, that does not justify it or legitimize it in any in any way. Um, I wanted to point out that uh, the claim made by by certain Jews in various countries, particularly I think in America, for, for, for interesting and for historical reasons that, that can be analyzed and, and described, but we won't go into that now. Uh, so many Jews in America really did adopt the United States as a homeland. Correct. You, you cannot say the same about Jews in Canada or Jews in Australia or Jews in South Africa. Anywhere else. No, it's, only, it's an American phenomenon. It's a very interesting phenomenon, uh, but we won't go into, into that now in detail. The, their, their complaint that someone such as yourself, because of what you did, in other words, putting the Jewish people first and, and, and standing up for what is correct and true and, and, and moral and just, even if it uh, possibly brings about uh, some form of of uh, censure on, on, on the part of, the, of, of their Gentile neighbors, um, that claim is, is reprehensible on the one hand, but it's also not new. Going back 2,000 and uh, 2,200 odd years, I, I refer to the Hasmonean revolt mm -hmm. by the Hashmonaim, uh, which became a very large-scale popular uprising, military uprising, Arms uprising against the Greco-Syrian uh, rulers of, of occupiers of our, occupiers of our land, which we celebrate every year at Hanukkah. Um, the 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 victory and the, and the positive outcome of, of that revolt. Um, there were Jews. Most of the Jews lived in the area known as Yehuda, Judea, which is essentially the area of Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And everything north of Jerusalem up to Beth El, which is, uh, if people don't know where that is, some people might know where the uh, mm -hmm. town of Ramallah is. It's next door. So it's uh, some, somewhat north of Jerusalem and, and, and south of Jerusalem, roughly down to Be'er Sheva, shall we say. That was an, an, an up to the coast uh, of uh, Azar, which was a, a, a place where many Jews lived, of course, uh, for thousands of years. Uh, that was Judea, but that was that that was not the full extent of Jewish uh, settlements or Jewish uh, uh, expansion. There were Jews living in in the north of the country, in the in the Galil, in the, in, on the uh, east bank of the Jordan, in Evan Hayarden, uh, and other places where they were a distinct minority. And some of them wrote to the Maccabees, to the Hashmonaim, saying, "Stop." Well, uh, <laughs> Some of them complained and wrote a letter, and this is recorded in, in Hashmonaim Beth, the second book of Maccabees. They wrote to the leaders of the Jewish uh, revolt, shall we call it the revolt, and, and the, 
essentially the, 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 the new provisional government of, of the Jewish people in Eretz Israel. And they said to them, because of your actions, in other words, fighting <laughs> Jewish people's enemies, now we're, we're suffering the consequences. Our Gentile neighbors are rising up against us. And they were, and they were attacking them and killing them. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an empty uh, an, a statement. Complaint. True. So what did, what did the, uh, the, the Jewish leaders, leadership, how did they respond? They wrote back to them and they said, this is recorded, word for word, uh, we, we are... Uh, fighting for our lives and reclaiming our our homeland and our heritage, and we're willing to die for our right to live as Jews in our in our country, because that was the choice to live as a Jew or to, uh, or, or or rather to die as a Jew or to live as a as a non-Jew. That it was, was assimilate into Greco. That, that um, they were being Syrian forced culture. by government decree to to abandon the Torah to abandon Judaism. So you could either die as a Jew or live as a non-Jew. And they refused that choice. And they chose to live as Jews, to fight as Jews, and hopefully to continue living, and if necessary, to die, but not to acquiesce to such, to such uh, policies. So that's what we are doing. And if where you live, things are not going well, then come and join us. That was, that was their response. Wow. <laughs> In those, in so many words, if if things Very are not smart. Good, you are, come 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 to us. Come home. Yeah, come to us. Come home. Join us. And uh, and in fact, the the Makarim, the Hashmonaim, did send some military armed forces to uh, to go and assist those outlying Jewish communities that were under attack. But the overall message was to to their Jewish brethren, come home. Perhaps this is a, a good uh, and positive note on which to end for today. Yonathan, uh, once again, it's been a pleasure. And uh, to be continued, Bezrat Hashem, with Hashem's help. His May all those who yearn and strive for Hashem be strengthened and find solace. And may we be zokhe, may we Merit to see victory over all our enemies. Shalom. Amen. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.